Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. Open our eyes and our ears to the things you want us to see today. We thank you for your spirit that guides us and enlightens us. Father, we thank you for, for you. And we give you praise and glory in your son, Yahushua's name. Amen. Okay. So obviously in chapters 26 through 27, and as you've heard me say, our New Testament portion, our prophet portion, and our Torah portion oftentimes have pieces that are intertwined, that are um, connected somehow. So I started off reading in the New Testament this week and uh, saw that it was talking about inheritance, which is exactly what's going on in the New Test or in the Torah portion. You heard him talking about uh, the three, the daughters that were. Uh, a little concerned that they weren't going to get their father's land, and they presented a case before Moses, and Moses is like, I haven't heard that one before. I'm not sure what to do. I better go talk to the Most High about it. And upon going to the Most High, he tells them they're right. They should get a piece, right? They, uh, and he makes a decision for them on, uh, in favor of the girls. So there's a little bit of connection uh, we're going to get into those things, uh, inheritances, and how, who's got what. Uh, we're going to look at Scripture talking about who is Yahushua's inheritance. Uh, some of those things are very interesting. We're getting into some of the Greek and the Hebrew words. So I want to welcome everyone online that's joining. Welcome everybody here. So let's dig in. We're going to start. Uh, oh, I already told you what we're talking about. So Our prophet portion is Malachi 2.1. And if you have comments, please raise your hand. We've got a hand already. <laughs> About this numbers 27. Um, what exactly, I've heard lots of comments, what exactly is strange fire? Please. So, <laughs> yeah, I would say that strange fire would be something that's not like it was supposed to be. So some have thought that they had not taken the incense. Some thought that they didn't take the coals from the fire out at the bronze altar. Um, some have thought, well, maybe they uh, didn't use the right instrument. Maybe they didn't put it in the right place. So there's all kinds of things that would make it not common. I know Mike teaches, just, didn't you just go over this? or is you, Okay, what were your... Why don't you give us your comments you gave during your uh, Tuesday Torah? Well, that was a while ago, but uh, I think when Alfonso was reading it, he said unauthorized fire. Say it again? Unauthorized. Yeah. And I think that's probably the key is that they weren't, whatever they did, it was not authorized by the Most High. Now, the other thing could be, it's not just whether it was the instrument, or the coal was missing, the incense, but maybe it wasn't at the right time. So if it wasn't at the right time, it's not authorized, right? Because they were to bring that offering at an appointed time at the Moed. 
So what if they brought it at 6 a.m. instead of 9 a.m.? Would it have been authorized? No. So, yeah, unauthorized just doesn't give the clues, but I think the main thing is it wasn't what he asked for. And uh, so, yeah. So Malachi 2.1 says, And now, O priests, this command is for you. If you do not hear and if you do not take it to heart to give esteem to my name, said Yahuwah of Zevaot, I shall send a curse upon you, and I shall curse your blessings. And indeed, I have cursed them already because you do not take my words to your heart. Like Jeremiah 31, 31, God's words should be, here. we should be one thing to please, one thing to do what he said. It should be on our hearts, but it wasn't. Kind of like Adab and Abihu, was it on their heart if they're not doing it at, uh, at the authorized whatever? It isn't. They're wanting to make up their own way to do it. So he says, I shall rebuke your seed and scatter dung before your faces, the dung of your festivals, and you shall be taken away with it. Now, the key thing about festivals, it has the word your in it. Notice he doesn't say my festivals. And it had become their festivals. This is my opinion. It had become their festival because they weren't doing it the way he asked to do it. Whether it was at the right time, whether it was, who, who, you could name several things, but it had become theirs because they had, kind of like what Jeroboam did, he instituted his own feast and it became their feast. It wasn't God's anymore because he clearly wasn't doing it at the time that they were doing it, and he wasn't doing it at the location God said to do it. He said, come to Jerusalem. They were doing it up in Samaria. So big, big no-nos. And he's rebuking the priests for what they're doing here. And you shall know that I have sent this command to you as being my covenant with Levi, said Yahweh Zavod. My covenant with him was life and peace. And I gave them to him to fear. And he feared me and stood in awe of my name. The Torah of truth was in his mouth. Now, if we're supposed to be a kingdom of priests, these next verses are speaking to you. So listen to what he says kingdom of priests. The Torah of truth should be in his mouth, unrighteousness not found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and straightness, not crookedness, and turned many away from crookedness. For the lips of a priest should guard knowledge. They seek the Torah from his mouth. For he is a messenger of Yahuwah Zevaot. But you, you have turned from the way. You have caused many to stumble in the Torah. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, said Yahuwah Zevaot, and I also, I, shall make you despised and low before all the people, because you are not guarding my ways, and you're showing partiality in the Torah. That should get our attention to make sure that we are doing the things that the Most High is asking us to do, and not being partial to what He says, right? So a little warning to the those that would consider themselves a priest. Now, obviously, there are people that have never even read the book of Leviticus. So this would be a big problem because you can't be a priest of any order if you don't know what the priests are to do, what they're, all these things that have been talked about in the priesthood in Leviticus. So very interesting. All right, so we're going to jump over to our Torah portion, Numbers 27. We're going to start with verse 3. Our father died in the wilderness, though he was not among the congregation that was assembled against Yahweh in the congregation of Korah. So they're saying, 
Our, our father, he's died in the wilderness like he said everyone's going to do. Even though they weren't in Korah's rebellion, they died in the wilderness. And so they say, but he died in his own sin. He had no sons. So why should the name of our father be withheld from the midst of his clan? For he has no son. Give us an inheritance in the midst of the brothers of our father. Now I've got to tell you something. We're talking about they've come to the the gate, which is the, the tent of meeting. They're coming where judgments are made, right? Decisions are made at this place. They're not going somewhere else because the protocol is you come to the tent of meeting to present your case. Now, these are bold women. They're coming before the court of men, and they're going to present the case because they feel that what they're going to say is just. i got to tell you, can you imagine in the day you got all this it's Moses up there, and it's Aaron. I mean, it's it's Caleb, and you know all these guys. Joshua was probably there. These are the these are the big guys, right? These <laughs> we're going to go up before the uh, what's that word? Kahona, the big Kahona, right? You, I mean, they have they're not timid, shy girls. These girls have got some boldness. They've got uh, some strength to them. And, you know, they've probably been talking with each other saying, you know what, we're going to lose everything if we don't stand up. We're going to lose everything that really should be our father's. It's going to go to uncle so-and-so over here when it's really dad's, right? And we need to present a case. And, and you know the old saying, let Yahweh judge between me and you? So they're presenting the case. Guess who's going to judge? He is. He's going to make a judgment. And is anybody going to complain once he makes the decree? No. So I want to, if you have any comments about the boldness that you see coming forward, I mean, this, this takes, it'd be like three of you ladies going before the White House, and you're going to go walking into the, or let's say not the White House, but the, uh, where uh, all laws are made in, in the, uh, forget the name of the building, anyway. Capitol Hill. Huh? Capitol Hill. Yeah, the, the Capitol. You're going to go in and you're going to say, hey, listen, we've got this thing here, and we need, we need, you know. We want the God of heaven and earth to judge between us and see if we're right. This, this is a pretty big deal, right? Go ahead. I was just remembering the last group of people who went before Moses, and they were like, hey, we're just as cool as you. And like they were, yeah, I mean, that's right. they, they, these women knew that, and they went anyway. Yeah. And they didn't know how it was going to turn out. Think, that's where my brain went. Yeah, and that's a great point, thinking, you know, the last person that came up and challenged they got smoked. So, man, should we go? Should we go? And maybe one of them, maybe it was one of them that was just, she says, we're going. It's right, and I know it, and we're going. And you know what? God, their heart was that they, they it's their dad's portion. And, you know, Abba sees that. He sees that there's, these ladies have, their heart is for their dad's portion, and I, I'm wondering if he sees it's not necessarily, there, it's for them. They're wanting it for the dads and their sons that are coming after them. Because, you know, they, the sons that they're going to bear for, they know they're going to bear children, are going to, they should have an inheritance. Right. So, yes. Um, so speaking to what you were just saying, they also make a distinction that they were not in the company of those in Korah. Um, and that they are also speaking on behalf of their father to make sure that he his name 
continues. Yeah, and I like that because they want to make sure that his name is not blotted out of memory. Because each piece of land is attached to the father, right? So let's, we don't want our dad to just be blotted out. I mean, they could have maybe even said, Yahweh, you promised that every son would get a piece. Our father should get a piece. Even though he's not here, he should get a piece, right? You promised. So anyway, very interesting concept to think about. Um, says, give us an inheritance in the midst of our brothers, our father. Here's an interesting thing. Zelophehad, her name is made up of two words, Zel and Pahad. Zel is the shadow. Pahad is fear and dread. So you can see these words in context. You can see them used in Psalm 57.1. Uh, be gracious to me, O God, be gracious to me, for my soul takes refuge in you. And in the shadow of your wings I take refuge until destruction passes by. Job, for we only for we are only of yesterday and know nothing because our days on earth are as a shadow. Zell. So you see shadow here is Zell. What's interesting is you know, you're wanting you know, you've, you've heard about this. It's been going on for 40 years. You pro they probably heard about it in Egypt that our father Abraham, he was guaranteed a piece of land, you know. It's like the thing that's been dangling before your eyes, and here you're about to cross over into it, and they're thinking, we're not going to get any. Kind of like, you know, Moses was, like, bummed out that he wasn't going to get to see it and be in it. So they're like, I, you know, I want, I want to get in there, and I want to have a piece. Other stuff I want to do on it. I want to put drapes on the wall. I want to put, you know, they're thinking about all the cool things that they want to dress up the house on their piece, and to think of not being able to have it do it is a big deal. But I want to, uh, this is my thought when I was looking at this, this name, is, you know, we want to, they're wanting to abide in his shadow of his wings. Because if we're not in your shadow, there's fear and dread. We, fear and dread is when you're outside the shadow, when you're outside the refuge. And so, who knows? They might have been thinking, if we don't have any land, are we going to be left on this side? What's going to happen to us? If we don't have any peace in here, what's going to happen to us? Are we abandoned? Are we orphaned now? Or what's going on? Uh, there's questions. So, yes, go ahead. Also, Mark, when I was reading this this week, what, what blew me away was Yah's mercy. Yes. So it said oh. that the dad died in his sins in the wilderness. <laughs> so he wasn't coming over. No. And he was part of all the people that rebelled and complained and all that stuff, yet he still honors this man who died in his sins in the wilderness and his lineage and gives him a plot of land. And we're going to get into that. That's why just, does God yeah. do that? Why is God doing that? And why did he do it whenever he booted Judah out and they came back? We're going to get into that here in a second. So in this, refuge is Kase, wings is Kanaf, Zel is shadow. Now what's interesting about Kase Kase is used in talking about when the moon is covered. It's this, the, 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 there was a, 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 a the, the covering over the waters. So this covering is like a refuge. And the wings is Kanaf. So it's a very interesting thought here about her name. And then in verse 15 it says, Then Moshe spoke to Yahweh saying, May Yahweh Elohim of the spirits of all flesh appoint a man over the congregation who will go out before him, and that the congregation of Yahweh will not be like a sheep without a shepherd. 
Then Yahuwah says to Moses, Take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man whom is the spirit of prophecy. This is what the Septuagint says. Spirit of prophecy is on Joshua. Lay your hand on him. The word lay is this word samak, and it means to lean upon, to put, uphold, support. So the primary meaning of the root is to lean upon in distinction to its synonyms, which basically means to grasp, lay hold of, sustain. And the word hand is power. Yad is oftentimes referred to as power. So you're going to lean upon him some of the power and authority that I have on you. Hand is authority, so Joshua would be grasping or laying hold of the authority that Moses had. But, you know, Joshua has received the position of leader. He does not rise above the one who, who the authority was transferred from. His job, as ours is, is to lead those under the care of the king of Israel, Yehushua, and his words. Lead people to him. So Joshua is taking that mantle. So, I read... New Testament portion of Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 11, it says, Also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. The thing is, here in this verse, they already are in the land, right? They haven't been, the destruction of the temple hasn't taken place, it's not 70 AD yet. So they're still in the inheritance. The people are still in the inheritance. So there, there's in this, this word, it has basically equivalent to eternal inheritance because they both see the blessing of life after the return of Yahushua. So they're looking forward to this restoration when the master returns. This inheritance is going to come upon them when he comes back, which is going to be eternal redemption, eternal um, uh, inheritance, uh, life everlasting, life eternal. All of these things are going to come because they're already in the land. Verse 14 says, So he who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. So now he's telling you what the inheritance is, the view of it is. The view of that inheritance is to the redemption of God's own possession. We're going to get into what God's possession is. So Isaiah 60, 21 says, Your people shall all be righteous. They shall possess the land forever. The branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I might be glorified. His soul shall abide in well-being, and his offspring shall inherit the land. For you will spread abroad to the right, to the left, and your offspring will possess the nations, and will people the desolate cities. Because the evildoers shall be destroyed, but those who wait for Yahweh, they shall inherit the land. Kind of like what happened before they're coming in. The people that did the rebellion... They didn't get to come in. The people, as Woody pointed out, they get to come in. But the, the promise is still there, even the, for the ones that didn't. So it says in 37, Wait for Yahuwah, keep to his way, and he will lift you up to inherit the land. When he destroys sinners, you will look on and see it with your own eyes. It's amazing. So here's this word in Greek. Uh, the word for inheritance here in this verse, it's this word, kleronomai and is a noun derived from this word, and is consistently translated inheritance. Uh, it refers to inheritance as a human legacy. Uh, it's also the term refers to the inheritance of the land of Canaan as promised to Abraham. Okay? Uh, it refers to the inheritance of salvation, which is the destiny of those who are sanctified by God's mercy and true servants of Yahushua. 
our Messiah. Galatians 3.18 refers to this inheritance being excess not through the Torah, but by means of grace. We'll see that here in a minute, what God says. Hebrews 9 affirms that the guarantee of the promised eternal inheritance is made certain by Messiah's mediatorial role under the new covenant. And also 1 Peter refers to the imperishable inheritance of eternal life. And I mentioned that, the eternal life that's coming. So Ephesians 1.14 indicates that it is the Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our eternal inheritance. So moving on in Ephesians 1, it says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of our calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Isaiah 53, 13 says, When you cry out, let your collection of idols deliver you. In other words, if you're going to cry out to me, you've been relying on these false gods, these idols, let them deliver you. The wind will carry them off. A breath will take them away. But he who takes, here's that refuge word, refuge in me shall possess the land and shall inherit my holy mountain. I will bring forth offspring from Jacob and from Judah, possessors of my mountains. My chosen shall possess it, and my servants shall dwell there. Now the word here used over and over, even in our New Testament, if you take the New Testament word back to the Hebrew, it's this word, nahal, and the derivatives. I'm gonna, we're going to go through the derivatives, the words that are, that are associated with it. So the first one is nahal. This one more specifically relates to the notion of inheritance than does yirash. Nahal occurs about 50 times, translated inherit, in the majority of contexts in which it's found. The underlying sense, as with yirash, is that of acquiring Canaan through an inherited right of possession granted by Yahuwah. So the ladies, they feel we have a right of possession. They're calling upon that promise, a right of possession. Yerash, however, is a fairly common verb that has the principal meanings possess, inherit, as well as the opposite sense of dispossess and disinherit. The interesting thing is they, they were told to go in and possess it. Part of that command to possess it is to remove the people that are there. You must dispossess to possess. You know, you, none of you can come and possess a, a rental house unless everyone that was there have already moved on. Can you imagine you're coming in and someone's in the bedroom and you've been given the keys to the house and someone's there? Oh, wait a minute. This is my house. And they're going, what? no, this is my house. We got a problem. In Ezekiel, in the vision of a renewed land, the Messianic prince will not deprive the people of Israel. This goes to what the ladies are saying. He will not deprive the people of Israel of their own inheritance, but will assign his own portion of the land as the inheritance for his sons. Here it is, Ezekiel 46. The prince shall not take any of the inheritance of the people, thrusting them out of their property, which is what was going on in our portion. He shall give his sons their inheritance out of his own property, that none of my people shall be scattered from his property. Nahal also refers to the legitimate acquisition of foreign slaves by Israelites as a right of inheritance. Leviticus 25 says, You may bequeath them to your sons after you to inherit as a possession forever. You may make slaves of them, but over your brothers, the people of Israel, you shall not rule one over another ruthlessly. So this word Nahal also means inheritance in the form of the slaves that they had, they had inherited. Then in Zechariah 2.12, Judah is designated as Yahuwah's inherited portion of the land. 
which he will take up again in the end-time vision of the renewal and reconstruction of Jerusalem. This is interesting. And Yahweh will inherit Judah as his portion in the Holy Land and will again choose Jerusalem. Interesting. The word of Elohim is described as a precious inheritance in Psalm 119. Your testimonies are my heritage forever. So here you can see the heritage you have right now out of the land is the Torah, the judgments, the testimonies, all these. That's our heritage now while we're waiting on the inheritance to come. Wait a minute. How long is the heritage? Forever. Interesting. For they are the joy of my heart. Is it the joy of your heart? Yes, it is. I know it is because I hear your worship. I hear your praise. I hear your, you really are joyous of the king. Uh, in verse 52, it says, Moshe, Yahweh spoke to Moshe saying, The land is to be divided to these as an inheritance. This, this time, the word is nahalah, a little different. Instead of nahal, it's nahalah. And so what exactly is an inheritance? It is something that is legally bequeathed to a relative or a friend by the legal owner. Who's the legal owner of that land? Only the king, right? The king is the legal owner. Only he can bequeath the land to whom he chooses to give it, right? He's the legal owner. In Ezekiel's vision of renewal, the land is reallocated to the people of Yahweh as a restored inheritance. Ezekiel 48, 20 says, This is the land that you shall, you shall allot as an inheritance among the tribes of Israel. These are their portions, declares Yahweh. By the way, Ezekiel chapter 40 to 50 is talking about the end time. This is when Messiah has already re returned on the scene. And so Messiah is going to divvy out the portions. They're not going to lose any portion that's, that's been promised to them, right? The people of Israel are designated as Yahweh's inheritance in a number of places. Here's some of the places you can see. When Israel and Judah rebel against him, Yahweh punishes his inheritance by handing them over to the enemies. But does he remove the inheritance? No. There's consequences, but they still have an inheritance. Other references to Israel as Yahweh's inheritance are found in Psalm 94, and here it is. For Yahweh will not forsake his people, he will not abandon his heritage. So in the context of blessing, Jeremiah 12, 15 affirms that Yahweh will return his people to the land, restoring them to their inheritance. Here's Jeremiah 12. Thus says Yahweh concerning all my wicked neighbors. <laughs> Here's the bordering nations and surrounding nations that are surrounding the land. Here's, he's referring to these wicked people that are outside of the territory of his inheritance. Who strike at the inheritance with which I have endowed my people Israel. Behold, I'm about to uproot them from their land and will uproot the house of Judah from among them. In other words, if Judah is out there among the wicked nation, he's going to pull him out of it, and he's going to bring him over and put him in his land. What a wonderful promise. So no matter where the children of Israel are, God's promise is, I'm going to take them out. I'm going to, I'm going to bring destruction and judgment on those wicked nations. But I'm going to take, this is like the, ter the wheat and the tares, isn't it? I'm going to take the wheat out from among the tares. I'm going to bring them into the land. Pretty cool. It's like two are standing at the here, and one's going to be taken, one's going to be left. And I, I, I can't help but think about that when I'm looking at this. And it says, and it will come about that after I have uprooted them, I will again have compassion. Here's Woody's mercy. 
I'm going to have mercy on them, and I will bring them back, each one to his inheritance. But each one, like the girls are saying, you know, I've got one coming. Then if they will really learn the ways of my people to swear by my name as Yahweh lives, even as they taught my people to swear by Baal, they will be built up in the midst of my people. But if they will not listen, then I will uproot that nation, uproot and destroy it, declares Yahweh. So in other words, the nations are going to have an opportunity to listen to what the priesthood of the nation says, that, are, that teach them Torah, and if they decide to fall, like Ruth, your God's my God, your people my He's going to bring them in. But if they don't, they're going to get wiped out. Yes. This is, reminds me of exactly what's going in Israel right now. It's like I see Yahuwah taking the, what I guess we could call unrighteous people that are living in Gaza now, and Israel's getting rid of them. I mean, they're going to totally eliminate Hamas that's in there. So this reminds me of that type of God saying, okay, we're going to get the, the rebellious and those type of people out of my land. Gaza Strip is God's land, and he's going to have to, he wants to get, in my opinion, wants to get rid of all those people in Gaza who are not open to the Torah. I have heard that there is a revival going on in oh. Gaza. A revival is happening. The people are seeing visions and dreams of Yahushua. Very, very amazing. Very amazing. May God, may God turn people to him and to worship him and serve him. Yes. Yeah, Rabbi, I think that revival is going on is because they're up against the wall. It's like they changed their mind so many times. It just that's just their people's way, maybe their tradition or how they're brought up, you know. But you know, when you see a vision of something that you know isn't human, and you see, like Woody says, this compassion and mercy and love on this being, I mean, that would turn you around pretty quick. I mean, you'd be thinking, wow, that's that's where I want to be. I mean, that's I don't know what God I was serving, but I didn't know it was like this. This is amazing. I, I want to follow that. So yeah, it's, I, I, my prayer is none of us want to see death and destruction. Nobody wants to see people dying. But what I am excited about is people are turning on both sides. People on both sides are turning to the Most High. And that's very, very awesome. Joel 2.17 says, Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests, the ministers of Yahuwah, weep and say, Spare your people, O Yahuwah and make not your heritage a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? I will gather all the nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat, and I will enter into judgment with them there on behalf of my people and my heritage, Israel, because they have scattered them among the nations and have divided up my land. Not a good thing, is it? God's not going to be happy. And believe me, God's going to be judging both. He's going to be judging all people, no matter who it is. All Israel, we're, we're being judged and weighed. Everyone's going to get that. And they get a chance to either swear allegiance to the king of kings or not. It's going to be that simple. Psalm 2.8 affirms that the nations are to be given as a heritage to God's son. Children are deemed as a heritage from Yahuwah. Here's Psalm 2.8. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth 
your possession. Psalm 2, 2 says, the, just before this, the kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take their counsel together against Yahweh and against his anointed, saying, let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. Yahweh scoffs at them. Then he will speak to them in his anger, terrify them in his fury, saying, But as for me, I have already installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. I will surely tell of the decree of Yahuwah. He said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. And then you see verse 8 after that. So you see that uh, the the nations are an inheritance to the Mashiach, which is interesting. Who did he send the apostles to? The nations. The nations are a heritage. He says, I, I'm getting the nations an heritage. Go get them and get them to, to believe in me because that's my possession now. Pretty cool, huh? Now, here's another word for inheritance. Can you say Yerusha? <laughs> Yerusha. It refers to King David's descendants as the heritage of those who fear Elohim's name. The children given by Elohim to those who truly reverence the name of Yahuwah. Here's Psalm 61.5. For you have heard my vows, O Yahuwah, Elohim. You have given me the Yerusha of those who fear your name. Which is translated as inheritance. But it's Yerusha. Now think of this. Sounds a lot like Yerushalayim, doesn't it? Pretty cool. Love that word. Numbers 26, 54 says, For the numbers, or for the numerous, you shall increase their inheritance, and for the few, you shall decrease their inheritance. Each shall be given his inheritance according to their numbers. And I will do it again. I've done this every year this comes up. Mike probably knows what I'm going to say. I've got eight children, so I'm expecting a big piece. But the land shall be divided by lot. They shall inherit according to the names of the tribes of their ancestors. Their inheritance shall be divided according to lot between the many and the few. You know, they took a lot of trust and a lot of, can you imagine somebody going, the lot fell to this piece? Well, let's just say this. Up, up in the mountains, up in the uh, Samaria, I mean, you got really, really amazing land. You go down in the Negev, down in the Southwest Desert, I mean, it's not so fertile as it is up in the north. So you imagine... People are getting the, the south. They're like, hey, wait a minute. Let's do another lot. Let's wait a minute. I, I wanted this area up here, up in where it's really green and fertile, or I wanted to be up in this area. Why couldn't I have Jerusalem in my inheritance? Why couldn't I? You know, they, but they trusted in the lot. There was a lot of faith and trust in that lot that was cast because what does it say? The lot cast in the lap is just and true of Yahuwah, right? So a lot of faith and trust. Now, I'm not saying that somebody might not have complained. It would have been interesting to see if there was some, some uh, scoffers <laughs> complaining. Uh, that's pretty funny. Yeah, people are human, right? You know this probably happened. I mean, how many of you have done this with your own children? You say, okay, we're going we're gonna, to you know, draw straws or we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna flip forward. Whatever you're going to do to try to divide something between your kids. And guess what? One's going to complain because there's one piece that everybody wanted, right? Or you could be playing a game of cards and someone wanted to go first and they're upset that they're not going to be the first one. Somebody's got to go second. Someone's got to go last, right? 
So the land has been occupied by others. So how could it be Israel's? I mean, it was occupied by the Canaan, Canaanites. It was occupied by many other nations. So how could it be Israel's? Let's get into that. The Father is the one who owns the land, and we are his firstborn. Here's what Exodus 4.22 says. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says Yahuwah, Israel is my firstborn, or my son, my firstborn. Genesis 14.19. He blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor, owner of heaven and earth. Owner is my words. So God is the possessor of all heaven and earth. He's the owner of all the land. So he can bequeath who he wants to bequeath. Exodus 19.5, Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice, keep my covenant, then you should be my own possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is the Canaanite. No. 25.23, The land, moreover, shall not be sold permanently, for the land is mine, for you are but aliens and sojourners with me. So really, as Woody points out this mercy thing, do any of us really, can any of us say, it's mine and you better give it to me? No. Because it isn't ours, is it? He's going to put whom he wants to put there, and obviously a lot of it's going to be based on his promises, what he said he was going to do, right? So he has the right to bequeath it to the firstborn. Does the firstborn have a right of inheritance? He does. The scriptures say that he does. And he's telling right here who the firstborn son is, right? Pretty interesting. Deuteronomy 9, 6. Know then, it is not because of your righteousness that Yahweh your God is giving you this good land to possess, to inherit, for you are a stubborn people. I don't want you guys to think because you were good Torah keepers that you're going to get it. Because you have failed, you have failed, you have failed. Here's why he's going to give it. It's because of the impiety of these nations that Yahweh will destroy them utterly from before you. That's number one. And in order that he may uphold the covenant that Yahuwah swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Twofold reason. Not because you did Torah. Not because you were great in obeying me. It's because the wickedness of the nation and because I made a promise to Abraham. So he chose us, the descendants of Abraham, Israel, to be a light to the nations because of his love and his mercy his covenant faithfulness that we are blessed to receive this gift. Whether it's the gift of the land or the gift of eternal life through the blood of Mashiach, whether it's the uh, eternal redemption, the, the, all of these eternal things that are coming, it's a gift. What a blessed gift we have. But you know what? We trust, don't we? We trust in the, what he said. That's our, that's our hope and our faith in what he said. What else do we have but in what the king has said he was going to do? That's what we hold on to. So it was in Caleb and Joshua's heart to possess the land that they received it over the others that died in the wilderness. Because of their heart, they received it over the others. Only the children born in the wilderness who were not part of the rebellion, as the, late, the girls said, were allowed to inherit the land. Consequences, right? But the children still got to inherit it. Even though there were consequences on the father and the mother, the kids still got to come in and inherit the land, right? Was it the children's? So, so the mom and dad rebelled. Was it because the children were righteous and, 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 and they were 
No. <laughs> Nothing to do with the children. I will say, because the children probably didn't do the type of rebellion, because I, I believe that whenever there's idolatry, like with, with the golden calf and idolatry that was going on in the northern kingdom, these are reasons why God says, well, I've got to kick you out. You're going to have consequences. doesn't mean he's not going to bring him back because he kicked Judah out. Judah came back in 530-whatever B.C.E. You know, they were 70 years in Babylon, but he brought them back, right? Ezekiel 36, 22 says, Therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus says Yahweh Elohim, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel. Now he's talking to you people. Talking about house of Israel. It's not for your sake, O house of Israel. This is the people that were divorced. This is the people that were utterly abandoned. These are the people that were scattered and, and just, he told them, you're no longer going to be a people. You, you are no longer, uh, uh, I will not have mercy upon you. Don't even think you're going to get mercy from me. Uh, but you know what? If you're really paying attention to what Yahweh says, he says, I'll be merciful. There's still that hope of mercy, right? There should be. If, you're, if you know who he is, you, you, sh you should always be hoping in the mercy that I am about to act, but for my holy name which you have profaned among the nations where you went. I will vindicate the holiness of my great name which has been profaned among the nations which you have profaned in their midst. Then the nations will know that I am Yahweh, declares Yahweh Elohim. When I prove myself holy among you in their sight, for I will take you from the nations, gather you from all the lands, and bring you to your own land, I will sprinkle clean water on you and then you're going to be clean, and I'll cleanse you from all your filthy, filthy, filthy. Can I say it one more time? Filthy. <laughs> wicked ways. So it's not because we were righteous enough to get it. It's because he is merciful once again. And he does the work of cleansing you, sprinkling that clean water on you. He is the one. So who gets the glory? He does. He does. We're not going to get any glory out of it. All we're going to do is praise. He gets the praise because he, he's the one that's doing the work, right? So it's, here's what I love about this. And you hit it when you, I loved it when you, because you said mercy at the beginning, I knew where we were going. So here's what's awesome is undeserved mercy on the house of Israel. He wants them back in the land, even though they are utterly disobedient. Yahweh does the work because he is faithful to his promises. And I'll tell you this, I said this earlier today to Ryan and some of the guys. Here I am, this guy that grew up in the church. I knew the Savior. I knew the Master. But sin still reigned in my body. Sin still reigned in my members. Utterly despicable. But in my sin, in that despicable place, he opened my eyes to Torah and showed me the way of life. It wasn't because I was doing Torah before that. He showed me the way to life in the utter despair. And that's amazing. That's amazing. So if he can do that to you and I, he can do that to any and every body. Yes. So having the blessing to be able to meet some of the families in the land, hear their story, connect with their heart, I found an interesting connection between every single person we met. And that was 
they there's a connection that they have to the land that we don't have here in the United States. Overall, overall, I'm talking about to the degree that they have. Yes, to the degree and an overall, they the families that we got to meet, they're just regular, humble people, hard workers, hard workers, and they see that they have a responsibility to be a steward of the land, to connect with the land, to care for the land, that they're caretakers of someone else's property that belongs to the Most High. They don't really see it as theirs, but they see that they have a responsibility to care and, and, and be good stewards of the land that they yeah. are caring for. Yeah. And that was common between many different families. I remember admiring that about them. Another thing I could remember is that it was a very clear distinction between families who called upon the name of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and the care that they provided and the connection they had to the land versus families who didn't. There was no care or connection or good stewardship of the land. Another thing I noticed is that you kind of touched on this a little bit, but I remember speaking with a family who were on a journey. They thought they were going to a particular place to be caretakers and start maybe a homestead, and their car broke down. And they had full faith, because they couldn't go anywhere. They had no other options. And they had full faith in the Father was guiding their steps, and that is where they were to be caretakers, right there. They wanted to be in somewhere, you know, the more lush land, but they chose right there where they couldn't go anywhere and began a well and a community and started right where the Father put them. So a connection between knowing that the Father is in control, he's given us the uh, responsibility to be caretakers of the land, and let's do the best we can where he puts us. Yeah. The other thing we have to keep in mind is, you know, oftentimes we think about the 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 people that are there now, we're thinking, oh, the, the, they're, they're all from New York, right? But remember, they got all these people who have come from all over Africa. They've come from all over Russia. They've come from all over Europe. They've come from the Philippines. They've come from all these places, Australia, because they have, some of them, many of them have proof that they are descendants of, of them. But think of the millions upon millions that don't have proof that are and that God's going to bring in, as he says here in that verse. Yes. Um, <clears throat> this picture that is being painted as we read this, of this like external, you know, taking over of the land and possessing, possessing the land, I think also correlates with the inner land, which is our hearts. Yes. Right? Which that's has the first takeover. That's right. Yeah. That's right. But that's the real city too, the, yeah. the Jerusalem. You know, it's 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 within. Yeah, that is the city that needs to be fortified. That is the city that needs to be built up. That is the the land Amen. that needs to be overtaken by the Spirit. Yes, and, and that's where the seed falls first on the good soil that's here. Hallelujah. Yes. Yeah, and so I just wanted to show that because you know, it's. In my opinion, you know what I'm saying? More so than it's over there, it's in here. Yes. You know, and so I think that it's it's good for people to actually 
recognize that so that they don't have to look without, you know, and look within because truly and really the city of light is within if we would only acknowledge it. Like he said in that portion in Ezekiel, he said because the priest didn't have it on the heart, that he's going to uproot. The, so he uproots the people that it's really not on the heart. It better be here. If, it's, if, you, if the heart is not sold out to him here, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. Okay. Yahweh's name is profaned when the Israelites are not there. The nations would have a valid claim saying, Yahweh is not able to fulfill his promises to Abraham. He gave them this land, but they are not even possessing it anymore. Rather than being sanctified in the eyes of the nations, he would be brought low in their eyes if he didn't fulfill his promise to Abraham. Much like, you know, Moses is petitioning him and Abraham is petitioning him. He's, they're saying, look at what, the, what are the nations going to say if you... If you totally wipe them out, right? So, we are the children of the king. Therefore, which of these most honors our divine sovereign? Failing to claim our rights and even doubting they belong to us? Or asserting our adoption as children of the kingdom and claiming the rights that accompany our inheritance? Can we be like the girls that are saying, I have something to hold on to. I have something to claim. And I think God looked at it and goes, can you imagine? I, I, I would love to have been there in a moment. Yes! Yes, girls, way to go. Stand up. Get them, girls. I would like to think that the Most High, He wants people to stand up for truth and what's right. And He wants the people. He's like, yes, there's some, there's some girls that are standing up. They, they, they know this is right. They're, they're not afraid to come before all of these guys. And so, yes, I think we boldly say, you know, my inheritance is the, the Torah and what he's given me. My inheritance is Yeshua. And one day my inheritance is going to be the land. But right now I'm happy. I'm content with what I've got now. He will work on the rest, and he'll get me there when he wants me to get there. I don't have to worry about tomorrow. I'm going to worry about today, which is doing the things that he asked me to do. So would you stand with me? Father, we thank you for opening our eyes and our ears to the wonderful things you want us to see. Thank you, Father, for your promises. Thank you that your word guides us and directs us. Thank you that we can trust in the things that you've said, that if you've said it, Father, it is absolute. We thank you, Father, that you're showing us. As our brother said, it's our heart. It starts here. It is, it's what happened to all of us. It began in our heart. You wrote your instructions upon our hearts, and we are sold out to you. We are thankful for the blood of your Son. We are thankful for the Spirit, these things that you've done for us to bring us into the family. We are so grateful for all the work that you do. We praise you and magnify you because your eyes are watching all over the earth and you're in control. We magnify and glorify in Yahushua's name. Amen. Now we get to say Shabbat Shalom! Thank you, everybody online. Thank you all here. Have a blessed rest of your Shabbat. Remember, if there are guests here, they go first. Shabbat Shalom.